Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much as always listening. SST, Apple Podcast app, Spotify, and now on YouTube. Join me today, some special guests, one of which you know you hear quite often on Subway Sports Talk, talking NFL draft first and foremost. My boy, Kyle Anderson. What's up, brother? Yes, sir. What's going on, man? Hype. I'm hype. Shit rocking, is ready. Shit is here, man. I'm ready. Rocking the Giants jersey, rocking the fresh new glasses, feeling lively out here. Listen, man. Listen, man. Got to keep them Got to keep them mills guessing, man. You never know. You never know. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing, Liv. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm playing. Keeping somebody guessing. Uh, yeah, and of course, now we got a first timer on Subway Sports Talk. Honestly, I love the the energy around a first time co-host, guest, whatever you want to call it, on the show. So, Tom Allen, TA, what's good, my man? Welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Kyle got me nervous with his radio voice. You got the radio voice. I'm just happy to be here. You know. <laughs> Hey, who knows if it's the microphone, if it's the voice, he got that deep tone. Yeah, I'm I'm the only one without a microphone. That's what I'm saying. I gotta get a water bottle. Act <laughs> like I'm on a mic here. <laughs> I remember That's the it. first time Kyle got the mic, because he sounded good before with the regular headphones going, but then he gets the microphone. And uh, Mule, another guy who's been on the show a bunch of times, texted me, he's like, Damn, Kyle sounds like Jesus. <laughs> That's <laughs> the nicest thing you could say about anything. Yes, sir, know? for real, man. It's like Bruce Almighty that- Jr. He is that, that Keith McPherson uh, 10 p.m. WFAN voice right there. You know, yeah. man. So that's tough to keep up with. But uh, you know, I'm happy trying to, to be set, here. Trying to set that mood, you know what I'm saying? Trying to set that mood, even though we I talk about it. sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shout, shout out Keith. Great guy, by the way. I met him a couple of times now. But being back as a fan. Good dude. Very good Love dude. It. Look forward to seeing what he does over there. What we're doing over here, though, is talking to NFL draft. But before we do that, we got to get some bets in on these NBA playoff games, and that means you got to get on to DraftKings. The NBA playoff means next-level basketball. Get in on the first-round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. Let me run that back for you real quick. $150 in free bets instantly if you bet 5 bucks on a team to win and they don't even have to win. You just make the bet, and you win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place the same-game parlay each day with three legs or more and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg doesn't hit. Same-game parlays are so fun. Guess what? You go three for four, and you still get $25 back for another swing at it tomorrow. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPM. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPM at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And it's exciting because everybody loves the draft. It's weirdly not that exciting to the general public, to the regular, the average Joe, because the quarterbacks aren't that exciting. But however, there's some dudes in this draft. There's some people who the Jets and Giants as the home teams of this particular show 
uh, are going to be targeting who can be potential franchise cornerstones. To me, that's exciting by itself. And now I have a take that I'll save for a few minutes from now. I'll do a little tease for you guys here. The, the draft with the quarterbacks, everybody's feeling a little bit eh about it. But there's a an alternate way to look at this where there's a lane for these quarterbacks to capitalize on an opportunity to set them up for success. So we're going to save that because we're not going to talk about them with the first couple picks. Obviously, that's not going to be them. There's other guys to talk about. But just, just think about that. And when we get to the quarterbacks, we shall discuss at length. So there's one place to start here when you talk about the NFL draft. You talk about any draft in general. It's who's going number one. And up until about a week ago, a week ago, I wish I had a drop that, a week ago. And then it, it was Aiden Hutchinson forever. It was him, all no doubt. But now there's some new thoughts here, Kyle, about this dude from Georgia, uh, Walker, who people are saying might have been like the fifth or sixth best guy on Georgia's defense alone. So Trayvon Walker, edge rusher, Georgia, elite tools, productivity, on the other hand, wasn't amazing. So Kyle, what to you leads you to uh, believe somebody over the other Hutchinson over Walker, Walker over Hutchinson will be the first pick. And then, you know, if you talk Hutchinson, I want to hear your thoughts on Walker too. Yeah. I think what I've been hearing is that um, Walker is definitely more of an upside pick. Um, and as one of the D linemen at Georgia, Georgia had a lot of like rotating linemen. So they were literally just, they were so deep where they were sending like four on four off the field. And since Walker, didn't really get that many reps. I think a lot of guys watching the film is realizing that he has the potential to kind of like take over games. And I think he's like super twitchy and can definitely get after the quarterback. Um, I think some people see that as a good thing because I guess they say like, Oh, you know, there aren't that many miles on his body, but at the same time, other people see Hutchinson and they're like, dude, you see the productivity, you see him playing big games he has probably triple the amount of stats that uh, that Walker has. And I think Walker had nine total sacks in his career, and I'm pretty sure Hutchinson had way more than that in probably this past season and, you know, all those years combined. Um, I think what it – obviously what it sounds like is that Walker's going to be the first pick, but I, I don't think – I think Hutchinson is definitely – um, just the first guy. I think run game wise, I think he's really good. He uses hands very well, and he uh, he gets after the quarterback. Like pretty much every big game that Michigan had last year, that they won, and obviously that they, he just like stepped up. You know, if you think about Michigan State, Ohio State, uh, who else would they have in that division? That was pretty tough last year. Um, whatever. The, pretty much the entire Big Ten. Right, but those right, right. big, those three, those those two main big games, you know, Ohio State, Michigan State, he stepped up and he showed up. So I, I just think that it's tough to pass up on that when they have a guy that's going to the NFL, it's going to be put in those situations and is delivered in those situations that you know you kind of pass up on that. I don't know. I don't. It's a tough decision. Yeah, and <clears> TA, <throat> yeah, I'm going to throw over to you quick because this is more of an overarching draft question. You could obviously throw in your thoughts on the specifics too. People talk about the first round in the NFL draft, and usually at the very top, one, two, and three, even one top five, if you will, you want a complete package. You want the measurables. You want the the pedigree. You want the statistics from college level. And then you get into the 10, 15, 20 range. You need you know, elite athleticism and some production or elite production with some athleticism 
twenties, thirties, et cetera, then you need one or the other. And then on so on and so forth, you kind of start to parse it out there. So when you hear this uh, breakdown of Trayvon Walker, do you feel like it's crazy for his name to be mentioned in this top, this top echelon, or do you think it's a dessert? Yeah. I, I mean, I think the biggest thing with, with all these mock drafts and, you know, you're hearing this guy is going to go one, not next thing, you know, you know, Trayvon Walker is one. The media has their take on who's their top guys and the front office guys could have a completely different view. And, you know, productivity, we tend to zero in on, right? Quarterback throws 50 touchdowns in college. He's my number one. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it translates over, you know, to the NFL. So I think Trayvon Walker is a prime example where Hutchinson had all the production and all the numbers. Trayvon Walker didn't. Uh, but in terms of athleticism, how's that going to translate in certain defenses? I think that's kind of where you're seeing that shift. So it's tough, man. I, I honestly, I, I think, you know, if, if I'm a betting man, I'd probably lean Hutchinson because um, I think it is important to produce, especially at the college level. Uh, but it wouldn't shock me if he goes number one, um, you know, especially right now you have, it's all the smoke screens coming out. You really, um, you know, you really don't know. And I, I find this draft to be the most interesting one because normally we have that number one pick locked in. We have no clue who's going to go number one. You know, Vegas has Trayvon Walker going one, watching mock drafts today, back to Hutchinson. So it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm super excited to see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, and I, right now I'm looking at DraftKings, and Trayvon Walker is officially the favorite, and it's not exactly a small favorite. He's minus 300 to be the number one overall pick. Aiden Hutchinson up to plus 300. That's a huge swing over the past, I would say, three to five days. Like it, it's been swinging that direction, but for it to now be minus three hundred in Trayvon Walker's favor as the number one pick, it is is crazy. I don't know. How do you guys feel about the whole like? And Kyle, I think you started to touch on some of this before. I don't know if you got all the way to it with with Hutchinson, you know, playing at Michigan, the Lions being right there to to make that pick possibly. Does that matter? You know, like, is that something if you're a GM, if you're a coach that you want to look into, or do you want to almost throw that out the window because you don't want to be clouded by it? I guess you would probably want to throw it out the window just because the lines like just don't just aren't in that position to like take like a homer pick if that was their approach. But I think the good thing is for them is that if they if the Jaguars do take Walker, now it turns into like, look, man, we got our home guy. We got a guy that actually is really good. You know, he happens to be really good, but also a homer, you know, from Michigan. I think it works. I think they're like hoping that Walker gets picked. And I, I honestly, for them, I think he's the better pick anyway. So if I'm, I mean, if I'm the Lions, I mean, that's, that's what I'll be thinking. But if I'm any other team, let's say like, you know, say the Redskins, you know, want to take Willis or something like that. I don't know, whatever commanders. situation the like commanders. that, you know, oh, hey. the commanders, I'm sorry. Commanders. That's the Redskins. My bad. The Commanders want to take uh want to take Willis, right? I would, I would go and say like, all right, well, if that's the best pick for you, I wouldn't do it, you know, because like, oh well, this is a hometown guy. If I'm say the Packers and you're in that situation and say it's like some stud receiver, I mean, I guess you could afford it just because like you are, you know, you're kind of like already in a good position. I, I you know, what I mean, like some of these teams aren't can't really afford to just be like ah let's do it because he's like a hometown guy like yo man you guys been had the hometown guys like you guys stink man like you you need everybody (laughs) you know like whoever can help you win you need 
You need to uh, yeah, I, hometown. I think it's one of those things where if it works out that way, it works out that way. It's by yeah. no means driving the pick. I mean, look at obviously quarterback, way different position, but Joe Burrow, you know, that fell perfectly. And then you got the whole state rallying and, you know, it's the hometown guy mm-hmm. and crushing it. If it works out great, I don't look at pass rusher as that, you know, obviously that same, uh, you know, rah-rah behind the guy. Um, but it yeah. would be cool. It'd be a cool story. Obviously you get the machine guy, keep him at Detroit, hopefully uh, with crazy uh, Dan Campbell, get mm-hmm. his ass running around the field and uh, that'd be a lot of fun. But like I said, I don't think it's a driver of the pick. So you guys are, Kyle, you kind of said Aiden Hutchinson's your pick for number one. TA, do you have a lean? Do you have a guy that you would go with if you were you were the Jacksonville Jaguars? I, I honestly would go Hutchinson too. Like I said, I would just match um, the physicality and the production. I, I don't think anyone could could get mad at that pick. You know, I, I think it's kind of a, a safer pick than Trayvon Walker, so I'll go Hutchinson as well. Yeah, I'm yeah Pete, and good point. Because uh, Sorry, my bad, Pete. And I, I just want to say, like, it's just like a – pick that you know you know what you're getting i think that's you for the jaguars especially like you know you want to know that this is a number one talent and this guy's legit and you definitely know that with hutchinson we don't i don't know if we know that with walker like you know with just a sample size yeah 100 percent. i'm leaning in the same direction and it would be one thing if hutchinson was all production without athleticism to to boot right like if he if he tested out average and everything and he was just a dominant college player that would be one thing, but this isn't Tyler Hansborough of football, right? Like this is a dude, like this is a serious yes. athlete out here. So, you know, I'm with that. I think Aiden Hutchinson is the right pick. I, I, and that doesn't necessarily mean that Walker is the second pick. That's the interesting thing about this draft. You know, sometimes, you know, one, if one happens, then two happens and three happens, but you know, book it, right? If Hutchinson goes one, I think two, three, four can go in many different ways. But if Walker goes one, I think it's almost a guarantee Hutchinson goes to with like, you know, maybe throwing uh Thibodeau, uh, which we'll get into in a minute, but that, that's kind of it. Right. So it's kind of interesting in that regard. Hutchinson one, who knows what happens. Trayvon Walker, you can almost guarantee Hutchinson's two. Um, so let's talk about Kayvon Thibodeau here ranked up at one at some points throughout the year, then two, then three, then people are like trying to go a little crazy, put him all the way down there. That might be a little bit of an overreaction. This dude's a freak. He had production. He just didn't have uh, the snap share, I guess is the word. Like he couldn't play the percentage of snaps that you would want out of a top five pick to to make it worthwhile to pick that high. But his athleticism is no, like undeniable. His skills undeniable. People are worried about his drive. Something that us three, you know, we're not exactly NFL insiders. We're not having these conversations with coaches and and whatever. But when you hear about all this stuff, it does it make you nervous, TA? With Kayvon Thibodeau, that you hear all this, or do you think that the ability he has outweighs all the other stuff? I definitely think it's it's something that you kind of hear out. I mean, so much being put out there too. Um, you know, smoke screens, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm a big fan of him. I think, you know, coming into the year, right, prior to the college year, he was the projected that early mock one. Um, and then obviously, you know, he's banged up a little bit. Uh, to your point, snap share wasn't there. Um, you know, he, he definitely talks the talk. Um, you know, he, he you hear him in these interviews. Um, you know, he wants – he says he wants to be in New York. He wants a spotlight. He's asking for a lot, obviously. Um, but I think he's a stud. I honestly can argue that 
he's ahead of the, the two other guys we mentioned. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things I think you have to do your due diligence as a front office, but at the end of the day, um, as long as he's not getting into trouble off the field and he, and he wants to play football, I mean, that's the most important thing to me. So not to jump into our uh, picks four, five, and seven, and ten conversation that's coming up, and if you don't know what that means, that's talking Jets and Giants. Are you uh, perhaps showing your hand a little bit that if Thibodeau does happen to fall, which is possible, by the way, it wouldn't have been looked at as possible a few weeks ago or a few months ago for him to be the seventh overall pick right now. But now with all this you know, in your hands here, as a Giants guy, I know you've been locked into those picks here. Would you take Thibodeau at five or seven for that matter? Yeah, honestly, I would. I know the glaring need is filling that right tackle position. Uh, but if KT is there, uh, he'd be a tough guy to pass up on. I mean, we haven't had a pass rusher in a long time. I was listening to something earlier. The last time we had double-digit sacks was uh, Marcus Golden. <laughs> and he was just kind of a, a journeyman, <laughs> um, you know, sign. So it would be tough to pass up on KT. I know that right tackle position is so glaring. I know Giants fans go into every year thinking, we need to fill out the roster to win this year you need to think bigger picture. You need to think longer term. And I know we'll, we'll get more into that later in the show. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on. I, I mean, so real quick, close the loop on Thibodeau. I, I think he's going to be a, a player in the next level. I think he's going to end up going. I think it's going to end up being Hutchinson and then Thibodeau number two. You were talking about it before. And I agree. I always talk about this with the NBA draft. Sometimes when you have like a consensus one, two, and people are paid to talk about this stuff, daily for like six months like Todd McShay has had this mock draft out for over a year think about right like think about that yeah yeah the last draft happened less than a year ago he's had this draft ready to go he's been doing this for so long and not just him I'm talking about all the guys you talk about it you talk about it talk about it you beat yourself up over it and then you start changing stuff up oh I'm overthinking this I'm overthinking that and you start to mix it up I would not be shocked if Thibodeau still goes top two I think I might actually look for that to happen but then again, if he's on the board at five, six, seven range, we can't pretend like it's a shock either. It's not like he fell. He fell like six weeks ago. He didn't fall on draft night, right? So it's a very different thing to think about in regards to Thibodeau. Um, oh. Moving on to my next question here. There's two cornerbacks who are projected to be top 10 picks. Sauce Gardner and uh, Stingley at LSU. Stingley in particular has had a weird college career as a freshman he was electric, just stud corner for LSU. Kind of had some injuries, kind of had some down production. People still love his tools and everything. Sauce Gardner, people love him. Production, swag, you know, skill, the whole nine. I personally get nervous drafting a corner, top five, top ten. Um, don't think it works out super often, especially when tackle, edge rusher, quarterback are so damn prevalent in this NFL that I see Gardner mocked between four and, and eight. And I'm like, I hope it's not five or seven. So yeah. How do you feel about the idea of corners going this early in the draft? Not even those two in particular. Yeah, No, it's, first. it's a great point you bring up. Honestly, I'm a fan. I, I think in today's NFL, what you need to have, especially with how quick the ball gets out, you need to have back end help, right? You need to have guys that can lock up, um, you know, for a few seconds, uh, let that pass rush get there, let guys get their hands up. So 
I, I it's not the sexiest pick. I think everyone wants, you know, either the quarterback or the pass rusher, right? Um, or even the receiver for that matter. Um, but the corner has become that much more important of a position. These guys get paid so much now in free agency. It, it makes it that much more important to draft certain positions um, just because that much cap gets allocated to these positions. You got receivers getting 25 million, you get corners getting 20 million. So, um, you know, I, I definitely, I hear what you're saying. Um, but both of those guys, I think are absolute studs. Uh, Stingley, some injury history, especially I think it's foot injury concerns me a little, um, you know, especially, you know, in the NFL, uh, all these guys are playing on turf. Those type of injuries tend to come back. Um, but sauce gardening gives me a lot of, uh, reminds me of Antonio Cromartie, lanky, long man corner, going to get in your face, going to press you at the line. So uh, I wouldn't be disappointed if the giants with one of those picks got him, but it would have to fall a certain way. Um, you know, obviously I would love the O tackle and then maybe him at the seven. Right. Um, but it, it's definitely going to be interesting. Now, would you feel the same way if they didn't have two picks in the top 10? Like if they just had five or just had seven, does that change how you look at it? Cause I think yeah, it, it could. That a hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's the thing here because if you think what's, you know, what's going to make giant fans happy is getting an offensive line together, right? After all these years, you know, you could go out and get as many weapons. We, we saw what they did last year, you know, drafted Tony, uh, signed Galladay, you know, obviously drafted Barkley. The list goes on and on. Um, without an O-line, it doesn't matter, right? So the O-tackle is the pick. But the question is, if one of your, let's say, two guys or three guys is not there, do you force that O-tackle pick? are we thinking two, three years out? And is that where the value of, of Gardner? Now, obviously the two picks allows you to hit on both of them, hopefully. Um, but a lot of what we spoke about already is what could shake up the draft. Trayvon Walker goes one, these O tackles start to fall, right? Because right. now all of a sudden Hutchinson off the board, maybe Thibodeau goes, um, you know, maybe the Jets look to take corner, right? They need help on the back end big yep. time. Uh, there's smoke screens going out there about Jermaine Johnson coming up. Uh, from Florida State, a lot of production against good talent. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, honestly, like I, I really, I, I'm interested to see how this shakes out. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be wild because I think regular fans, and not that we're like in, in, incredibly different from regular fans, but obviously we're we're looking into this as much as we can here. Like people are going to be like, oh, "Who's this guy? What's that guy? Who's Charles Cross?" Like. Is he good? Like, I don't know. Like, I'd say 90% of Giants fans here are going to look at Evan Neal and Charles Cross and Aquan Wu, the three big tackles in the draft, and kind of be like, sure, we got one of them. I feel great about that. Like, let's yeah. go. But yeah. everybody knows Sauce Gardner. His name is Sauce Gardner, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the sauciest name in the draft, that's literally. for sure. And, and uh, even Derek Stingley was, like, electric on an LSU team that was electric. And yeah. th those guys are a little bit sexier picks. And what makes me nervous, I guess, about it from like the overarching standpoint is similar to the idea of the running back thing, where I don't mind drafting running backs in the first round if you already have everything else you need, right? Like the Giants shouldn't have taken Saquon Barkley. I think it's all Completely everybody right. at this point could agree on it, even though we love Saquon. We know he's talented. It's nothing to do with Saquon. It has to do with the Giants and how they were not ready to add a running back 
to a team that had all these other holes. On a defensive standpoint, I sometimes look at the corner being like the final piece rather than the foundational piece. It seems like we kind of disagree on that a little bit. And, uh, you know, you talked about it before with the quick passing game. Corners have to tackle. It's incredibly important to be strong there. But I guess maybe it's just to do with, you know, bad taste in our mouth with Akuda, the most recent top five. You know, no doubter Akuda is going to be a corner. He's going to be a stud in this league. And then like, eh, and injured. And then but what happened, right? It can yep. happen to anybody. But some, for some reason, it feels a little more fickle with corners. The one thing, though, that you mentioned that I do love about him, 6'3", you know, 200 pounds. Like, Long. you got to be happy about that. Well, in my opinion, corner is the second hardest position in the NFL outside of quarterback, mm. right? You're asked to cover the biggest freaks on earth running full speed at you. They know where they're going and you don't. And you're in a backpedal, so right? So it's the toughest position, and especially in college, when they let you jam up until the ball's in the air. It's right. completely different rules, right? So basically, you know, you get these freaks of nature running at you, and you're playing with different rules. It's, it's definitely tough to translate. But when you do get that guy, it's a game changer. I right. mean, the Giants over the last couple of years have had some, some pretty good corners. I mean, James Bradbury's been a stud, even though – We've been such a, a sorry team. And, um, you know, obviously, um, Adore Jackson uh, had a very underrated year. I don't think many people spoke about him, but as a corner, that's a good thing when you don't hear someone's name. True. Um, and then you even look back to when we were good. Uh, the last time the Giants were good, when we won the division 11 to 5, you had Jack Rabbit uh, on one side. And, uh, you know, we didn't, we haven't had that pass for sure, but the back end, makes up for it. You think of Wink Martindale's defense. He's able to create pressure with a lot of guys that you really don't see being drafted at the top of drafts. Right. And then they go on to get a second contract that, you know, big, you you talk about, um, you know, the uh, Matt Judo's the the guy Bowser, Um, you know, there's guys that Wink creates these passing lanes because he has those corners on the back end that can hold up. That's a great point. Yeah, so that's that's the thing that I look at of why that position could be so valuable, especially when in today's NFL with the cap, you know, and, and these players getting paid, you got so much allocated um, to those positions. So I think it's that much more important to draft those certain positions. You did a good job selling me there a little bit. I feel the Wink Martindale uh, pull-in that you just pulled out there, that was great because if you think about what happened with the Ravens last year, yes, Lamar was banged up. And now, oh my God, it's really, it's slipping my head. Who is their stud DB that got hurt last year in Baltimore? Humphrey. Humphrey, yeah. Humphrey Marlon got Humphrey. hurt. Hum- Marlon Humphrey. Humphrey got hurt, and that changed their whole outlook on the season. And it wasn't their D line that was falling apart. It wasn't their inability to get pressure. It was their pass defense was Swiss cheese, right? Yep. So that, you might have well, you might have got something there, TA. Think about think about this, and and before we move on, think how many times the Giant fan. We sit there watching these games, and it's third and seven. Okay. And we got these receivers catching the ball at the sticks, and our corners are playing 10 yards off. And we're like, why aren't they getting up? Why aren't they they pressing these guys? And they're sitting back, and they're doing that make and break, uh, bend but don't break defense the whole way down the field. Wink does not do that, right? He'll, he'll live and die on cover zero and bringing pressure. So without secondary, that whole scheme does not wow. work. And that's why I think it's that much more important that if Gardner 
or Stingley um, are there. Now, I know, obviously, like I said, I want that offensive tackle, but I think, you know, it, it really would come out of this draft very happy, even if we don't get that pass rusher, that I think everyone wants that tackle and the pass rusher. I'd be very happy with the tackle in the corner. Wow. That's, that's a great job by you, Tom Allen. Just say your full name again. I don't want everyone to be like, who's this guy? What's, uh, his name was said so long ago. T.A.? Tom Allen, T.A., great job by you. Two Kyle, first well, names. You can't trust me, but you can listen <laughs> to me when it comes to the Giants. I got you. There, there you go. We lost Kyle for a minute, but he is back to give him the quick spark notes. Basically, I was saying how like I'm not feeling the corners in a top five, top ten capacity um, just because the tackle – edge rush quarterback positions are so intense to me that that's where I want to look at top 10 wise. And I've bad taste in my mouth from Okuda with Detroit, just not panning out amongst others over the past uh, handful of years. TA kind of, kind of talked me into a little bit, Kyle. So before we uh, move on to some more topics here, you didn't get to spit your game on what you think the New York giants to do. Um, we're talking about possibly the ideas of getting a tackle and using the other pick to grab one of the corners, maybe sauce Gardner. Uh, but what do you look at here now? Five and seven, two opportunities for the New York Giants to to grab these picks here. What's your your game plan going in, and who are the two positions that you are targeting, or two players for that matter? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely look tackle, and I guess it's best. Yeah, I guess it's best available defensive player for for either corner or edge rusher, and. I guess I'm leaning towards corner because it seems like this draft has a lot of edge rushers and a lot more top heavy with the corners. So I think after like, you know, these, this first selection of corners goes, goes away. I don't know how many of them are left over and they keep talking about how they're going to ship uh, Bradbury and they're looking to trade them. I think this will probably be an opportunity for our defense to, to, you know, solidify a corner before, uh, you know, trusting some guy off the street that we're going to have to sign and, you know, he's going to get abused all year. So I'd rather pick up the young guy, which, and, and typically the Giants never have like a shutdown corner. I feel like the best corner we've had, you know, since I've been a fan and it's probably been a while. It's probably, you're thinking like, like those, like those 08 and like to like 05 teams, like, like I'm, I don't know. First Corey name Webster. thought of like, you know, literally, he was gonna say Corey Webster. Like Corey yeah. Webster, probably uh, yeah. the last I mean, best Jack, corner we've had, bro. I mean, good like, teams. That we was, saying, how long ago was that? Yeah, we were saying Jack. I mean, Jack Rabbit was a good corner for a minute with the Giants. Is that end um, of yeah, yeah. Do, honestly, Dominique Rogers Cromartie was solid too. But no, you're yes, right. I mean, we haven't one. had Corey Webster. Uh, I felt like he wasn't. He didn't play like a shutdown corner. He got he got very good in that playoffs when it was crunch time. And then carried into yeah. those following years, but yeah, I mean you're right. Uh, we haven't had that, you know, a one uh, guy. I mean Bradbury's been awesome, um, mm-hmm. but obviously we paid him a lot of money to come over in free agency, and you know you want to allocate those dollars in that offensive line, defensive line, and be able to draft those expensive positions in free agency, which is why I think it's that much. Uh, pivot to the Jets for a minute it's very important for them to not trade for one of these receivers and draft a receiver at 10. Don't give up that 10th pick to get DK or Debo um, draft that, that guy because receivers tend to translate uh, a lot easier to the NFL than some other positions. Um, Yeah. But I, I think there's some studs in this draft too. 
Yeah, we're definitely going to get to receivers in a little bit. And I went through it before last year's draft. I did a full episode on just receivers and basically how many there are in the draft every year. There's like five to seven, like no joke wide receivers in the draft every single year. And they don't all come in the top 10. In fact, uh, I heard a list the other day, like the number one overall receivers in the past 10 drafts, like three of them became like all, like all-star all pro level players at a, at a 10. Like it was, it was ugly and there's good players in all those drafts. There's good receivers. So I hear that a lot. You're going to grab Debo. You're going to grab DK and pay them 20 mil. Like the dolphins just grabbed Tyreek Hill and gave him a bag. That's that's great. You got Tyree Kill, but now how flexible are you in these other facets of building out your team where you could have grabbed, you know, they got Jalen Waddle last year. Not going to get Jalen Waddle two years in a row, but you get somebody who's 85% of Jalen Waddle and you're feeling pretty good about your number two wide receiver. So there's right. opportunities there. We're definitely going to get to the to you those think about and like you said, like you said, don't pay, don't pay Debo and pick up a guy. You know, I, I mean, I'm not saying you're going to get him every time, but you know give me 75% of Justin Jefferson's production and I'll be okay when we're not paying him, you know, 20, 30 mil a year. So I'll, I'll definitely take that too. If I'm, you know, like in the jet situation, hundred percent. And the same goes for the corner, right? Bradbury for, mm-hmm. I don't know what he's making, like a, a good chunk of change or I think his corner. cap hits like, it's, I think it's, we'd free up 15, but I think, you know, he's, he's making North of 20 just based on restructures and things like that. Right. Um, but yeah, cap hit of 15 million. I mean, you know, that's that's one of the reasons the Giants were a lot quieter in, in the first wave of free agency was money tied up there. Right. Yeah. Great point. So on the tackle front, Akonwu, Neil and Cross, the big three names really going out in this draft here. Is there one lean for you guys? Is there one guy who stands out above the rest? Kind of different styles. I mean, Evan Neal is a ginormous human being. The other guys are a little bit more normal size. And by, by normal, I mean still huge. So is there is there one guy who uh, who stands out for you guys on the tackle front? You want me to go first, Kyle? You want to take it? Yeah, yeah, you can go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. So, yeah, so honestly, the way I look at and, – and this is like, to me, as a Giant fan, this has become that quarterback, like, sexy topic just because this is what the Giants need. But I've been doing some of my homework on – these tackles and I honestly put Neil and Icky in that one A and one B. I think Neil is the most polished all around. I think yep. Icky has the highest ceiling. Mm. Right. So when you think of some of the things I love about both of them is great punch. When they get in on someone, they do not let them go. Um Icky has the tilt in the run game. Neil has the tilt in the passing game. Um, I think both are are studs and can be awesome. If you plug them in at that right side, I don't think anyone's taking the left side from Andrew Thomas. I think he's played very well um, and has really established that left left tackle position for the Giants. But um, the one downside about Neil, I find sometimes he lunges. You find him, especially against good talent in some of those SEC games, he's – you know, on his knees or he's, he's falling forward. Um, that's stuff that will get cleaned up in the NFL with Icky. Sometimes he's crossing his feet, needs a little bit of help in the passing game. Uh, but I think both those guys are stud. I like Charles Cross. You know, he's being known as the top pass protector. I don't think that's necessarily as true as everyone's saying it is. Um, they also run that, uh, 
that air raid offense, um, you know, where he went to college and wide splits and, you know, things that aren't necessarily going to directly translate to the NFL. I think he's, he has that long pass, you know, pass blocking type tackle uh, body. He's a little bit lighter. I think he's like 310. Um, but I think all guys, you know, I, I would be ecstatic with those top two guys. We cross, it would feel to me more like we're drafting for need rather than best available. No, yeah, I agree. I, 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 the way I've been seeing it, the same thing with Neil and Akamu was that that he was more the run guy, and Cross was, I, and, and you know, and Neil was the, uh, you know, more the pass protector. But also, I kept hearing that Cross was like, ah, uh, but his upside, you know, he's really, he's a guy that can move very well. He's got great feet, but he's a project. You're like, all right, man, like you're drafting this high. I don't want a project. Like, you know, we we kind of already did that with with my man from Miami. I, I can't think of his name right now. Flowers. Flowers. We shouldn't even mention that name. It's already like a race from my mind. Like, I don't I like even it. want to mention his name. Like, freaking Baltimore or some shit. But, like, legit, like, <laughs> I can't – I legit, like, I – I like, that's that's not what we need. You know, we need a guy that's going to come in and we can sub him into our line and he's going to produce right away. Like, we – we're already coming in with a new, uh, with a new staff. You know, we don't need to also babysit a rookie at a right tackle spot if he can. You know, if we know that he can, you know, we could potentially draft somebody that can already play and just you know get them into the into the offense. And that's a great point too, TA. Was that that cross? You know, he he's in the air raid offense. Like that's a lot of just. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, you know, you we everyone knows you're passing, so you know he's got great footwork and could probably pass at the hell, you know, till the day is long. But at the same time, like, yeah, we have to run the ball. Like, can he, you know, get down and, and get nasty in the trenches when we need like, you know, a third and two and we're running power behind him? Like, can he get into a down block? Can he, you know, get out on a on a stretch block? We I don't know about that. You know, Mississippi never runs the ball. Mississippi State. Well, yeah, what concerns me too is is I was I was looking at you know certain write ups on them. Cross didn't have a good twenty twenty season. He, he gave up like six sacks, a ton of pressures, and then he got a lot better this year. Um, like I said, I, I don't want to make it seem like he's not going to be a good player. I just think those other two are in a different class compared yes. to him. And if and like we said, you know earlier, I think Kyle, when you got cut off, if Trayvon goes one, all of a sudden these other pass rushers start to come along. We might be left at five with one of those two guys, and I would mm-hmm. go nuts. And then you tell me we get sauce at seven. Yeah. Um, or one of these other pass rushers, Jermaine Johnson, I think is that I will I'll be pretty happy. So um it's gonna be interesting, man. I think uh a lot of good talent, but I think there's a big, big fall off after those three guys. Okay. Where uh, I don't think, I truly don't believe the next guy. Let's say it's Trevor Penning. Right. Is not a tackle. Oh, he's I, a tackle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he's a, he's a tackle, but I don't think he's a plug and play day one. Right. I don't think you're drafting him as hey, you know, we feel so confident. I think if the Giants can't get their hands on one of those three guys for whatever reason, no one's talking about this, but Daryl Williams um, from played in Buffalo free agent. 
I think the Giants can circle back at free agency if they move some cap around and do things like that. But we don't need to get into that. Hopefully it works out where right. they get one of those two tackles. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, the center from Iowa, not Trevor Penning from Northern yes, Iowa. Yes, Lindebaum. Lindebaum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's, he's got some juice, but he's a center, so he ain't going top yeah, 10. Yeah, let's say it definitely He's starting to job. fall, and he's starting to fall too. Because remember, yeah. in the early mocks, everyone's like, you know, the, the typical Giant fans that want to win every single year. It's like, all right, we need a draft. One of these tackles at five, and then we need to draft Linderbaum at seven. And now Linderbaum's yeah. projected to maybe go top of the second round. Yeah, right. right? Or yeah, yeah late They've been saying late first, two. right. So that's what I'm saying. You, you know, there's so much that goes out there early, and people throw their their mock drafts. It really doesn't matter. And, and yeah. the media to the front offices, two completely different things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that little Randy Moss for you, Kyle. <laughs> I love that. Love that. <laughs> and quickly on the Jets front here, they're in a little bit more of an interesting position here. Because if they do draft an O-lineman in the first round, whether that be at four or 10, or if they trade down and go for a penning, you know, who knows, right? They don't necessarily have to rely on that rookie tackle or rookie O-lineman in general year one. Because they have Mekhi Becton, who if he's healthy, should be a player, right? And George Fant, older dude, nothing special, but can play and had a good year last year, right? Like he was he was solid player last year. If they go for a Charles Cross, at 10 rather than a kneel at four, you know, then cross can have some time to develop, have a veteran in George Fant around him to, to kind of you know, learn the ropes or whatever you want to say. Is that a realistic option? Or do you see the jets at four who obviously will make a big difference on the giants or who they select? Do you see them going tackle at four, basically almost back to back from, you know, Mackay was two years ago, but you know, two and three years, top tier picks O line. Yeah. I, I, I don't. Um, I think it's O line at four, or no matter what. Or the, yeah, I think it's O line at four, no matter what. And I I think it's either for them Neil or Icky. Um, I think that you know they have that offensive line is solidified enough where they don't need to go that way. I think they need more help on the defensive side of the ball, and they need to get. Zach, this is the biggest year for Zach Wilson. And honestly, I, you know, I don't want to burst any bubbles for Jets fans out there, but look who's in your division. And you can't look at this year. This year's all about Zach, right? And him right. having a good year. And and Joe Douglas looking great for picking Zach Wilson last year the way he did. You know, you got the Buffalo Bills, you got the Dolphins who are loading up, you know, and you and you obviously got the Patriots. They need to start thinking we need impact players longer term. Right. And that's one of my reasons I'm saying don't trade for the DK, the Debo, because that money is going to be needed when they're that one or two piece away from trying to take that leap to the top of that division. So I think they either take it at four and then you really load up that offensive line is stout. Right. You got three first round picks on that offensive line at that point. Um, Or I think they need that. I mean, that's secondary. uh, Who's it? um, Is it Bryce Hall? Is their yeah. corner, but he's like a solid number two. They need corner. Uh, you know, they have Carl Lawson coming back, but they could definitely use a pass rusher, KT, even maybe Jermaine Johnson. But I think receiver at 10 is going to be the obvious pick. Yeah. I, I'm actually a little bit envious of, of the Jets right now for a couple of reasons, one of which is the receiver that they picked over the Giants. Not over the Giants, after the Giants last year. Elijah Moore was my dude was your last boy. year. That was your boy. I, I was so mad the Giants didn't take him, and then he went to the Jets, so I still root for Elijah Moore. Don't, don't get it twisted, but they have a really good opportunity here, T.I. I like how you broke that down. If they went out all out right now, 
they're going to make a leap from a four win team to a seven win team with a brand new shiny toy wide receiver, right? That's not that special. But if you take the right O lineman, you take a Garrett Wilson or a, a Jamison Williams, and then you could still possibly become that seven win team. And you use that money in two years for that third year, that that's when you make the leap, right? Like the, the jets are in a two to three year plan here. They're not in a one year plan. And that's why I 100% agree with, with what you thought their strategy should be. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even forget about the division with the bills. I mean, and then Miami and the guys, the AFC in general, like, you know, we have the extra wildcard team. Who cares? You know, to your point, they're there to compete, to scrap, to be in games, but really to prove that Zach Wilson was the right pick. That is everything this year for them. Right. So that's why I think it's, it's that, that weapon, but then you need to start building those expensive pieces through the draft rather than get them through free agency for those following years when they're trying to take that leap. And then you could allocate that money in, in those, you know, interior spots on the D line, you know, on the O line linebacker safety, so on and so forth. Yeah. Kyle, I want to ask you because you kind of missed it before and we didn't really get too deep into it. And we talked about sauce a little more. Derek Stingley is a possibility for the jets of 10. What do you think of Stingley with the couple year history he's had now? Absolutely like tremendous as a freshman at LSU off the charts cornerback and then banged up. All right. Does he want to hit people? Does he want to play tough? Like, does he care? Whatever stats aren't there anymore, but still has a great frame, great athleticism, et cetera. What do you think of Stingley? You think he's worthy of a top 10 and can you see the jets go in that direction? Stingley is definitely freaky, man. I know when he first started playing, when he was a freshman, I was when like they had their big year, you know, at LSU with Joe Burrow and them. And I was like, dude, like this kid's going to have like, you know, a crazy career. You know, if this is his freshman year, you have two more years of this and he's going to dominate. And then obviously had the COVID year. And then last year he had a lot of injuries. So it kind of like, kind of, you know, it was like kind of a wet blanket, like career that he had. Like you thought he was really going to kind of go off and then, just kind of fizzled out a little bit, but then he had a great pro day and then everyone's all over him. Like, Oh, kind of get reminded of just like how great he could possibly be. Personally. I don't think he's going to be, I, I, I don't think he should be a top 10 pick. Um, I think a lot of the teams in the top 10 have different, have, I guess, better needs. And I think he's kind of a, I think he's. I, I think he still needs to be polished up a little bit. And as and as freaky as he was, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't a shutdown Sauce Gardner corner. You know, a guy that's you know never scored a touchdown in his career on him. Like that, Stingley definitely had his moments last year in that COVID year where he was getting abused a little bit, and guys were not afraid to throw at him. So with that said, I would definitely think that you know there are teams that hey, you know what, let's go get a receiver. Or, hey, like, you know, like the Jets, like, let's go get a receiver. Or, you know, one of those teams in the other top 10, like, I think it's just too much, too much of a risk for, for some teams to go and get that. Now, every GM and, you know, has that, that tendency where they're like, you know what? I'm trying to make a splash. I want, I, you know, I want everyone to remember how good this pick was and I want to secure my job and I'm going to take a chance. Someone will do it. But at the same time, you know, the the teams that always just make like a solid pick are always a team that win. And 
you know, they're usually at the bottom of the draft. So right. we'll see. You know, I, I'm sure someone will take a chance on him. And obviously, I hope he does well. But I just don't think he's like a top 10 like this year on a top 10 draft. You know, talent. Right. All right, let's get to the point where I don't know if usually you would say, all right, this is the first thing we're going to talk about. It's the most important thing. It's almost the only thing we have to talk about. Now it's 45 minutes into this episode, and I'm just thinking about getting to the quarterbacks, and that's kind of problematic. I made this tease. It feels like a whole year ago. Kyle's computer blew up, and now it's back. Yeah, dude. And- <laughs> Shit. Had to call the geek squad real quick. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're back here, and we're ready to talk about quarterbacks. And it's wild that we're doing this 45 minutes into the episode, but that's what this draft is kind of called for at this point with the lack of hype around all these dudes. So you got Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh, Malik Willis, Liberty, uh, Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati, Matt Corral, Ole Miss. Is there another quarterback that I'm missing? That's like, I know there's numbers here saying there might be five quarterbacks in the first round now. What's the uh, who is there? A fifth guy that I'm missing here? Help me out. I don't, Sam Howell. I don't think Howell oh, Sam Howell. Uh, I don't know if he's, yeah, I don't know if he's one. Howell, yeah. uh, he's in that next year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's definitely one, but there's definitely a secured second day guy like Steel. I mean, it's sensible, right. might take a chance on him first round, but second day guy. Right, and Kyle, we were losing you there for a hot second there, but I think I think we picked yeah, that, up for the most. That expensive mic, man. That expensive mic. <laughs> I, think, I think my water bottle is working a little bit better. You know, listen, bro, you know what it is, man. They got me over here in the garage, man. You know, the outcast <laughs> playing rent can fuck up, man. You know, I'm a part you, you went from having that you went from having yeah. that serious that serious what? XM <laughs> radio voice to now you sound like a robot and you gotta you'll see it on the recording Kyle I you're going in and out I, oh trust me I I'm listen when I when I'm uh what do you call it? I see some of your like some of the cameras are like spinning I'm like oh this is not gonna be good, <laughs> gonna be good. we'll make it work man we'll make it work I just I just know I just know eventually he's gonna get to me and like uh, uh, that's what it was oh, just yeah, doing, but you actually you're, right you're coming through clear now you're yeah. coming through clear now now you're no, back now you're back and i no, think yeah, I actually- no i was i was saying i was i was saying the, the, i'm you know i'm paying all this damn rent you know my dad you know paying rent to my dad and you know brother can't get no wi-fi over here you know <laughs> you need a range extender you know? up there or something dude I, I got a range extender you know they gave me probably the last one the last one on the shelf and shit he don't need the internet he'll be all right <laughs> Throw a TV in there. Funny, all good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyways, we're here to talk about quarterbacks. And you know what? I would have been upset, Kyle, if we lost you because you are one of the resident quarterbacks of uh, of this program here. So, first of all, before we get into it, does it hurt your feelings that the quarterbacks catching so much hate this year, Kyle? Bro, mad one mad hate, but at the same time, I get it. Like some of the guys <laughs> are kind of inconsistent throughout their career. Like, you know, I, uh, what Malik Willis was on TV more than usual because Liberty is never on TV, but they have Hugh Freeze now, who's the old, old Miss head coach. So he's getting love. Can you, you got me? You got me with that? Yeah, you're good. You're and, good. Um, okay. And um, I think Kenny Pickett is a guy that everyone's been talking about, like, oh, like, 
you know, he, he might be a steal. This is like during his season, I'm saying, like, you know, like, oh, he, he's pretty good, but every everyone I felt he, like was getting a he's good, but all the but time. But he has those whopper, he got the whopper junior hands where he has to wear <laughs> yeah. the two gloves. Yeah, right. He's good, right. But and I'm like, I'm like automatically, hands. yeah, man. Like everyone, you know, everyone's dog in hands. I'm like, yeah, bro, like he's playing with two gloves, just like Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he's still in the league. Like, yep. can a dude play or not? It has, that's the biggest thing. And it, you know, the pro day just becomes a, you know, showing pony with, oh, you know, the guy's got small hands. You know, it's going to impact how, how, you know, the spin rate on his football. Like, all right, bro, like, can it do win or not? You know, and Johnny Manziel comes out in the, the helmet, shoulder pads, pumping Drake, and yeah, off the charts. So, yeah, I'm with yeah, you, his, and all days. of a sudden, his pro day, his pro day is amazing because he's got big hands and he can spin it in, the, in a pro day, you know, and Jordan yeah. Whitfield's his quarterback. So it's like, who gives a fuck? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I mean, these no. guys, routes on air to these guys is absolutely nothing. These guys have been doing it their entire lives. So every I single actually, football practice. I actually have a, a a guy. I don't want to call him a source because that's not fair to him. But he's he's still a football player in his own right, and he's been running some routes with Kenny Pickett leading up to this draft out in New Jersey. Kenny nice. Pickett, New Jersey guy. Hey, Ocean. Yes. yes Shout out to Ocean. He was actually on with Keith McPherson to, to circle back. He had Keith had Henny Pickett on uh, last week, I think, on the fan. But this kid who I know was running routes for him, he's like a D3 player who did four years, was a stud at his D3 school, did a fifth year at a D1 and played a little bit, whatever. So he's he's a he's a player, yo. He's he's legit. He's like, yo, this is so different from any quarterback that I've seen at D1, at D3, obviously. Like it's just different. He's like, I don't know what that means. He's to your point, TA. He's like, I don't know what that means. Like everything's in my chest. Everything's perfect. Like everything's right where it needs to be, but it's on air routes. Like going to put that much stock into it. I don't know. Obviously people are, are trying to pick holes in these guys as much as humanly possible. And that's the thing I want to get to here. So I teased this earlier. I want to lay it on you before we get into specifics about the quarterbacks. I think there's a chance for this year's quarterback class to have as much success as quarterback classes of the past, especially when you start to think about the breakdown of some of these classes, the Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen class, Josh Allen class. Josh Allen ended up being the best dude. Baker Mayfield is getting kicked to the curb out here. Sam Darnold's on his second team. Josh Rosen's basically out the league. That was a, a great quarterback class, but most of them went to terrible situations. In this case here, you have Willis, Pickett, Ritter, Corral, all projected to go from anywhere, six being the absolute earliest to the end of the first round with teams like the Steelers, with teams like the New Orleans Saints and the Seahawks interested in grabbing quarterbacks. Three teams that have had success with quarterbacks in the past who have true foundations as a franchise. And so often we talk about a quarterback with talent goes to a bad situation and fails miserably. How often do we talk about a quarterback who might be average, who goes to a good situation and has a 10-year career as a starter? I think there's a real chance that two or three of these dudes can go 10 to 25, 30 and end up having legit careers in this league with the chance of a Malik Willis and a Desmond Ritter, in my opinion, those two specifically, being even a little bit better than that. So I think there's a, a hole in the market here where the value is now low, which makes teams come in hot and grab these guys and all of a sudden end up with steals of the draft. What do you think? QB1, let's hear it. I'll start with you. No. 
Listen, man, I, I'll tell you this. There's a lot of guys in this draft that the quarterbacks, obviously, there's a lot of guys in this draft. I think they're going to, I think Malik Willis is going to take this lead by storm, bro. That's my mm-hmm. guy. And, and the reason why is because he's already has, you know, the athletic tools already off the charts, right? Has a strong arm. And I think a lot of people are saying like, oh, he's very inaccurate and, you know, he doesn't, you know, he, the ball, you don't know where the ball is going to go. It was like, yeah, bro, I said the same thing about Josh Allen. Like your athleticism, I feel like can get you, you know, can get you through the door. Once you're in the door, all right, bro, learn how to play quarterback. That's it. And I think there's a lot more quarterbacks and a lot more teams that are saying like, oh, well, we don't really need a quarterback, but, you know, and then they're going to steal one. Like, say, let's say, for example, like the Titans, right? They 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 paid, you know, Tannehill, right, all this money. Didn't do anything with Julio Jones last year. Kind of came up short in the playoffs. Why wouldn't they go get, like, Ritter, right, and give that man a shot? Now, I know it's in the first round, and, like, they're, like, trying to, like, it's almost going to be AFC Championship or bust. But at the same time, that's kind of, like, a chance, like, you have to take. Like, you know what, man, like, this, it's almost, you know, I compare it to like the Titans, you know, I'm like not stuck on the Titans right now, but just thinking about it, they're almost like the Jazz right now, right? The Jazz are about to blow up. They're about to implode and be like, you know what? We're going to trade everybody away. Let's restart. I think the Titans are almost in that same boat because they keep, you know, they're trying to shop A.J. Brown. They got Derrick Henry, but he wasn't healthy last year. They have Tannehill right now. Tannehill had an okay year last year. All right, what are we going to do if this season doesn't go the way we want it to go? What are we going to do? Maybe we should get a quarterback and start over. I don't know. And I think those are, you know, the Bucks are in that situation. The Titans are in that situation. Um, dude, I mean, shoot, the Cardinals might be in that situation with Kyler Murray, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's a situation a lot of people aren't talking about right now. If Kyler Murray doesn't go back to the Cardinals – what are they doing at quarterback? Maybe they draft a quarterback. And say Colin Murray comes back and then wastes the pick. That's going to suck for them. But at the same time, you got to almost prepare for the future. Minnesota, another one as well. Minnesota, yeah. Like, are they going to keep rolling out Kirk Cousins to win eight games every year? Like, I don't yeah, know. How many times are going to – yeah, it's tough. My, my cousin's a, a Vikings fan, and every year complains about Kirk Cousins. But then he's like, all right, but all right, who's who's out there, though? You know, what free agents are out there. You got to settle with it. And and I, he's got a point, you know, unless you want to start over. But yeah, like I I heard someone on a podcast say, like Desmond Ritter is like cool Kirk Cousins. Like he's Kirk Cousins minus like the being lame and not taking risks. It's Desmond Ritter. Like (laughs) he's got better PR. He's cooler and he's going to let it fly a little bit. Like what, what, what are we missing here? Right. So, all right. TA, let's talk about these specific guys now. Kyle gave his spiel a little bit on Malik Willis. I tend to agree. And I, I do have an overarching quarterback question here. Actually, you know what, TA, before we before we go to you, I'm sorry. I got another question for resident QB1 over here. So much is made of these quarterbacks specifically, literally like mo- like all of them, how often they break the pocket and what they do after they break the pocket and how quickly they do so, right? Willis had a crazy like sack number, he got pressured a ton, whatever, but they run so many RPOs. And if he's not hitting the first read, the linemen aren't blocking to block for five seconds. They're blocking a block for a 1.5 or whatever it may be, right? And that's all the systems in college right now. So I want to ask you as a quarterback, like how can you evaluate 
the way quarterbacks are getting sacked, the way they're escaping pressure, the way they're making decisions outside of the pocket when the offenses that they're in don't call for them to sit in the pocket very long. Because if that first read isn't there, they don't even really have a true second read that's possible because the linemen are blocking a different style. I don't know if that makes complete sense. Hopefully it made some sense to you. Can you break that down to me? Because I think it's somehow a little bit unfair to all these guys, Willis, Pickett, and Ritter, because they all kind of do the same thing. They see a pressure and they get the hell out of there. But what are they supposed to do in this type of situation, in this offense of style? No, you, you make great points because the guy. Damn. We just lost him. Man, do I want to know what Kyle has to say right now. <laughs> <laughs> we lost Kyle right I'm there. Getting, I'm getting blue balls right now. T.A., <laughs> jump in. You you played some football in your day, bro. Come on, jump in. What, what do you have to say about that topic? We lost yeah, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, no, honestly, like I'm, I'm thinking back to your point earlier, which was a great point. I mean, you're, you're so right in the sense that with these quarterbacks – uh, they're going to have the opportunity to be drafted into good situations, which I think is the biggest mistake of most teams. Hence why I don't want the Giants to draft a quarterback this year, because you need to have the foundation built before you put one of these young guys into a very difficult situation. So, you know, when I think of, you know, today's NFL and to, to your question with, you know, mobility and, and, you know, getting outside the pocket and, and making plays. That's what today's NFL is, right? It's, it's a lot of RPO. It's quarterback friendly. It's a lot of, you know, just getting the ball out of your hands and it's all yak today, right? It's not about the five-step drop and it's quarterback friendly, but these quarterbacks have so much pressure to perform within that rookie contract. I never remember it being like that early two thousands, right? Eli Manning had some brutal early years. Um, you know, that's just, you know, me, obviously, with the, with the Giants bias, remembering that. But, you know, it was time – like, it was – don't worry. We're going to develop him over time. He's going to get good. These guys have to come in and perform. And to your point, I mean, you got to put them in a good situation. But, you know, it, it tends that – you see with these guys, they're all athletes, you know, for the most part, right? I think all these guys – obviously, Malik Willis being the, the top athlete. Um, but, you know, all these guys can spin it. All these guys can move around. It's going to be about who's in the best situation with the best line in front of them and and be put in the that position to succeed, whether that means sitting a year or, you know, being put into a team that has that quarterback whisperer type coach or, or right. system. Yeah, and Josh Allen's a blessing and a curse, right? Because how many people are going to talk themselves into a quarterback of the future because Josh Allen wasn't accurate in college either, right? Yep. It's, like, it's a really tough ledge to walk on. We I mean, look at Trey Lance, right? You look at Trey Lance last year. Like he was supposed right. to be like Josh Allen, right? That like he's drafted off a small school guy, big body, big arm. Um, and I think when you could get away from the top 10 with any position, you could kind of start going from better football player rather than freak athlete, you know, physicality, right? And you look at that quarterback draft you mentioned, um, you know, these quarterbacks, oh, you know, great quarterback class they're all six four they can all spin it and then they end up all falling through right you know maybe these guys do have um some serious upside being put in the right situation and no one's talking about it i'm just um, saying bro malik willis or desmond ritter in pittsburgh with those weapons with that foundation are they failing even better they don't need to play this year right like they they yeah. picked up trubisky 
not to say that he's the answer, but you he's give yourself the insurance policy, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and and he's a guy who was just in Buffalo uh, with Dable behind Josh Allen, and he's not a bad guy to learn from, right? Um, you know, just in, in the sense of just football IQ and, and learning how to be a professional and, and come to the office every day and, and learn how to be an NFL quarterback. So, you know, I, I think that's the key. I think the tough team is the Panthers, right? Like right. you have a coach that's on the hot seat uh, in that rule. You have some suspect on the offensive line. You got a running back that can't stay healthy, that when he's in clearly makes a difference, but can't stay healthy. Um, you know, what do they do? That's that's the interesting one because are they riding it out with Donald again? And or they, they gra- they're grab these guys? Pickett. They're rumored to love Pickett, and that's like – to me, that's just a sign of Pickett's going to fail. He's going to be the first overall pick. It's going to have nothing to do with his talent, nothing to do with his small hands, his Whopper Junior hands, as he called it before. And, and I'm sorry, Ken. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if you ever stumble across this podcast, I'm sorry. I had to throw it. That old right. school commercial with the Whopper Juniors. <laughs> uh, your, your little hands remind me of that. It's hilarious. But uh, no, like it won't even be his fault per se. Like, it might just not go well for him, right? Like yeah. he might just be below average for the Carolina Panthers, where if he's in New Orleans with, you know, you don't want to give New Orleans too much credit because Sean Payton's not there right now. But they yeah. have a, a a pretty decent track record to this point for the past 10, 12 years. I know most and of And a very good teams. offensive line. And right? a good offensive line. Good offensive line. Exactly. I don't even want to give the Seahawks that much credit because they were kind of a mess the past year and a half anyway. So, but like yeah. Pittsburgh, for example, like if you, whoever goes to Pittsburgh, it's like, getting drafted by the Spurs. It's like getting drafted by uh, the Boston Celtics. It's like the odds of this working out just feel so much better when you go to a Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't care if it's Willis, Ritter, Pickett, Corral, whichever quarterback goes to Pittsburgh, I'm going to have more confidence in because yeah. I don't have the confidence in Matt Rule in Carolina. I don't have the confidence in in uh, in some of these other teams that might go for it. Like the commander, yeah. like if they if they pick a team, are we supposed to feel a quarterback? Are we supposed to feel great about that? Not going to feel that great about it. Yeah, I mean, with them, I could, I guess they could always sit someone behind Wentz. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm with you when you're in that like purgatory of of mediocrity. Like that's to me what the Minnesota Vikings are stuck in. Like you are mediocre enough to always be picking in the teens. Yep, and you have a ton of cap tied up to a quarterback that actually he had a very good year last year, stat wise. He didn't turn the ball over nearly as much. But what did that get you? Right. Yeah. It's like he took less risks and they, you know what I mean? Like he needed to, t- he needs to get somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, what did it get you? And you're in a division with Aaron Rodgers. It's like, it's tough, man. It's like, you know, teams need to start getting a little bit more honest with themselves and realizing like we're building for the next window. And I know that's tough and you can't sell a fan base on that, but it's the truth or else you get stuck in mediocrity. You keep on chasing after something. I mean, the Giants with their free agent signings the last couple of years. And and I didn't even bring this up, but, you know, I think the one thing we all need to look at as Giant fans is, you know, and everyone's asking me a couple months ago, who do you think they're going to pick? Who do you think they're going to pick? And I'm like, listen, it's the first year where I trust the man making the pick. Right. Where I could say, I don't, I'm not worried about it. Let this man that gets paid a lot of money that came from a good organization I love the underrated move was the uh, the guy they hired as their assistant GM, 
uh, VP player personnel from the Eagles, Brandon Brown, um, young guys actually from Long Island. Um, that was a great move because the Eagles have been drafting great for years. Um, you know, always had the offensive line in place, always, you know, hit on a lot of picks. I think they signed their nearly their entire 2018 draft class this past right. offseason, which is impressive. So um, trust those men, but those they need to be people you can trust. Obviously, Gettleman every year were like, just don't fuck this up. Right? <laughs> and now you're hearing the, the swirling rumors about Kadarius Tony. It's like, well, here's another one, right? Yeah. So uh, all the talent in the world, but if you don't care about football and, and you don't have it, you know, off the field in the drive, it doesn't mean shit. Yeah, facts. Kyle, do we have you, Kyle? I don't think we have him. I think yeah, I think he's in deep thought. He's like listening. He's like, wow, yes. yeah, really? just drop some knowledge on me right there. Yes, we hear you. <laughs> A little bit. See, see nah, he's still thinking about it. We ain't got him. Well, that, that was great stuff there. I think if, so if you had to make a bet, Kyle said before that Malik Willis is his bet. I'm, I'm putting my odds pretty split on Ritter and Willis. Um, and I think then there's a drop to, to Pickett and Corral. Do you have a lean on which quarterback you like the most here? I'm, I'm with Kyle. I love Willis, but I don't love him as a day one starter. I think he has the most upside. Uh, I mean, the guy is built like a horse. Like that, that dude is literally solid. Um, you know, obviously fast as a cannon. I think, um, I think in the right situation, if you can consider him for a year, uh, to your point, if he ends up on the Steelers, that could be awesome. I mean, you get a division with him and Lamar Jackson in it, uh, Joe Burrow, um, and and Deshaun Watson now, right? Unbelievable. So, yeah. oh my God, serious athleticism and potential in that division if he ended up there. But that's I, I would ride with him. The the other guys I don't know enough about. Um, just being honest with you. Yeah. Partly because of the way this draft is kind of unfolded um, with the Giants picking up early and no quarterbacks that I really feel are, are there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Sam Howell, uh, North Carolina, uh, you know, I, I've, I've read some things where he's, he throws arguably the best deep ball in this draft. Uh, athletic, you know, obviously we all think Mitch Trubisky when we go back to North Carolina, another quarterback. Right. Um, Daniel Jones, Duke, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah right, right. It was a great deep ball, but does it really matter? Yeah, when you're on your back half the time, or you're you're getting stripped left and right. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Macarell obviously uh, lit it up too. I mean, these guys, like you said, what the media says versus what these guys in the front office can be on two complete different wavelengths. So we'll we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. We shall, we shall see. And now Kyle is actually back, and now he's on a different device here. So what's up, Kyle? We missed you. Yo, I swear, I swear, if you if you were like a fly on the wall in my in my apartment right now, I'd literally just been throwing pens everywhere and just cursing very loudly. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? Are you serious? Like getting so upset. But I'm happy I'm back on. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. Act like it didn't happen. All right, so that's the show. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> It's been real, everyone. <laughs> uh, so, all right. We well, Kyle, do you want to give me an answer? I know we got to get to receivers yes. and we got to say goodbye yeah. here. So, can you give me an answer to that question? I'll give you quickly I'll give to you reiterate. The answer. There you go. No way. <laughs> it's not meant to be, Pete. Like, like, the, like the episode that you recorded that didn't record or came out bad quality. It just yeah. wasn't meant to be. 
<laughs> every time he's about to make a great point, I can tell it. They don't want the quarterback whispers speaking about quarterbacks. That's yeah. how messed up this QB class is. They won't even let Kyle talk about it. This is big. This is big quarterback. Just you know, censoring the media right now. Exactly. Exactly. They, they all want us to believe it's a down year, so they're not letting uh-huh. anybody who wants to hype the class up hype the class up. This is Christmas Eve of the NFL. They, you know, there's magic out there right now. It's it's <laughs> not meant to happen. Kyle's not meant to speak about it. That's and he's hilarious. texting us right now. Oh my god! Yeah. Get on the data, bro. I don't know what to say. Take that for data. Uh, he's gone. All right. So, anyways, TA, we lost Kyle again. I, I really want to know what he has to say about that question. I thought it was a good question. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I don't feel equipped to answer it, so we're just going to leave it unanswered. Uh, and we're going to talk about wide receivers, something that you and I are, are more equipped to answer. So, there so we go. You, you were, you were receiver yourself. I was receiver back in the day, not at the, the college ranks, but uh, at the high school ranks. Big I wouldn't even ranks. consider me at the college ranks, Pete. So me and you are in the same category. We love our wide receivers, and we can talk about them, and we watch them, and they're they're my favorite position to watch. They're so fun, and they're so freaking talented and freaks of nature. They're they fun be, picks. They are fun yeah. picks for sure. Happens to be like four to six who are probably going to go in the first round here, I'd say. Yep. And that's fantastic. To, to rattle off some of those names, Drake London, USC, Jamison Williams out of Alabama, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave from Ohio State, Traylon Burks, Arkansas, Jahan Dotson, Penn State. All those dudes are likely to go in the first round, which is amazing and exciting. Makes me a little nervous, but ironically, with all this talent here, none of them projected to go higher than like that seven eight nine range mostly 10 through 25 so i don't know where do you want to start here ta do you want to start about the receiver class as a whole is there one guy who does jump out as the dude of this wide receiver class in your eyes where do you want to take this yeah i mean right that's been coming up a lot just based on being buddies with with jet fans and you know obviously they got their eyes set on a receiver i actually asked um my buddy Huge Jeff fan. Um, I'll give him a shout out. Shout out to Paul. I love that. Shout out, Paul. Uh, Paul Pat. He, um, I asked him this also question. Also, two first names? No, Papacino. That, that okay. definitely isn't a first name. <laughs> uh, the, um, I asked him that same question. I said, you know, you're on the clock at 10. Who are you picking out of these guys? Because they all seem to get talked about right in that same category. And it was difficult because he loves Jameson Williams, but obviously coming off the injury. Um, Garrett Wilson, he said, w- would be his guy. Um, he likes Drake London a lot, but what we talked about with Drake London, big body receiver, today's NFL, you know, are you – is that an advantage in most of these offenses, right? It's not the the late 2000s where you're just throwing the ball up, you know, skinny post, you know, go go up and get it quarterbacks aren't throwing 50 50 balls as much as they used to period. So, you know, that's why I think he, you know, Garrett Wilson's that number one, uh, you know, obviously I, I would, my ranking would be Drake London two, Jameson Williams, three, Chris Olave, uh, four, Traylon Burks, and then Jahan Dotson, uh, Penn state. So I think Penn state is going to make some noise in that second round, a couple positions there. They got some guys. Yeah, so the Drake London thing is interesting for the Jets specifically because he does contrast pretty well to Elijah Moore. So if you if you look at Moore as like this super shifty inside out guy who can kind of bang on the inside but also beat people deep, like Drake London would almost be like 
the Mike Evans style receiver yep. where he's not going to be slashing you up with speed, but he's going to just be in the right spots. He's going to get open. He's going to make uh, contested catches. So on that hand for the Jets, I do like Drake London a lot, but I totally see what you're saying here from a, a peak perspective to compare anyone to Mike Evans when he's really the only guy like himself in the league right now is mm-hmm. kind of difficult. Like there's way more guys, especially in the last three to five years, who are finding success like Jamison Williams, like Garrett Wilson, then guys like Drake London. Though I would also throw a guy like T. Higgins out there who isn't quite as physical as Mike Evans because nobody is as physical as Mike Evans, but he's a big guy, big target who catches everything. He's not going to torch you with speed, but you can't like sleep on him. He'll go right by you. Yeah. And and to your point, I mean, maybe Drake London is the pick because that's the most Zach Wilson friendly pick in terms of just having that safety blanket to throw a 50, 50 ball. You know, I think, you know, I, I, they're probably right. You know, you could talk to you, the room will be split in terms of who you would pick at that at that number 10 pick. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just thinking of today's NFL, um, you know, it, you can't you, you got guys running around. I think of that offense they run just based on the 49ers um, since obviously uh, their offensive coordinator came from over there uh, as long as, you know, as well as their head coach, obviously um, a lot of crossers. A lot of roll in the pocket, a lot of getting the quarterback out. You know, they want guys that are going to run tight routes, get across the middle, a lot of comebacks to the sideline. Um, you know, that's kind of why I have him as my number one. What's up, Kyle? Listen, man, it's been a rough night, dog. It's been rough. <laughs> it's all good, though. It's all good. We can make it happen. Pete. No, you're throwing me a layup. That's what it is. This is my, yo, my debut. Yo, so Kyle's it, your, his wife is fucking up so he can make me look good. This is why pick and roll was always so good, man. Get the damn ball. <laughs> Get up ball. That was a pick and pop. You know what I mean? That's it. He, <laughs> yeah, he's more pick and pop guy. That's right. That's right. He's more pick and yeah. pop guy. But yeah, man, I uh I agree though. Wilson's the guy. Wilson's the guy, and you know, from watching Ohio, Ohio State's on every Saturday and every highlight, you know, in House of Highlights all the freaking time. But legit, Wilson is the guy. And like you said, Tom, you make a great point because San Francisco, you know, always likes to roll the pocket, likes to run a little bit of play action, get him out of the pocket. And this is a guy that's going to get across the field, and that's what he did a lot at Ohio State. And I think that's – it's his game, which I think he can – pretty much run every route in the tree, but I think his game is going to translate to what the Jets want to do best. Get the ball out fast, get, you know, get him the ball in space and let him work. And he's a big yak guy and uh, a guy with a lot of speed. That's definitely going to make a difference for them. And you know, them Jets fans want to hear Wilson to Wilson all day on the field. Oh, so, of course. Yeah. Of course. Some corny saying. All right, bro. Yeah. Wilson to Wilson for 15 yards. They'll make some dumb t-shirts in their hat. Yep. Wilson squared. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, You know. See a a jersey in the future. Another another black alternate dumb jersey. Yeah, classic. So stupid. So I gotta stupid. stick up for so corny. I gotta, I gotta stick up for them though right now because they have a chance to do something special. We've talked about that the strategy that TA outlined before. If they grab one of these good dudes, you said Garrett Wilson, 
uh, both of you did say Garrett Wilson. I said Drake London was an interesting cho- uh, choice here too. But Jamison Williams is the guy who's also looked at as one of the top receivers in this class, perhaps the n- number one receiver to go. Yes, he's injured, but this is like a freakazoid dude. And I don't mean that just based off the fact of like measurables. I mean, from like a mentality standpoint, like Jamison Williams is kind of a nut job on the field and you got to love that. Now, if you saw, oh, oh my God, I'm forgetting which game was it when he, when he got uh, ejected or he got a warning or something for the being the gunner on punt and he just laid a dude out and he just did it again. Oh, like the next oh yeah. Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember now, but I know exactly but, what you're talking about. Just like, just completely just rocked the dude. And he was, he was like, yeah, he was, yeah, he was like starting at the time. Like, it wasn't like he was like, oh, like working his way up. He just put the dude out. Yeah. And, you know, us, us Big pretty time. boy wide receivers uh, usually don't like to get down and dirty and lay the wood like that. Like, that's not usually in the DNA of a number one wide receiver. You know, we're trying to get the catches, trying to get the ladies, trying to, trying to get the nice end zone celebration going out here and not really be touched too much. But James Williams comes out here and is like, yo, I'm going to murder people. Like, let's, let's go. And that's something that's kind of exciting to see in a wide receiver. So he obviously combines that with like electric speed, you know, good hands, the whole nine, like he's just a good receiver in general. But uh, when you see a guy like that, Kyle, how excited does that get you? Um, a from a quarterback perspective, but then again from like a fan perspective. I just can't ask cop. You got me. Sorry. Yeah, we got. Yeah, you. we got you. Oh my god, so bad, so bad, so bad, bro, so bad. <laughs> it's definitely. I got a curse, man. I got a curse. You know what it is? I think Connor's wedding is this weekend. It's on Friday, so it's just like I'm hoping these are just early losses turning threes as I'm over. That's, that's, that's just hopeful thinking, but stay positive <laughs> with, uh, yeah, I'm trying to stay positive. Man. I'm like going to freak out. Um, shit. Can you ask the question again? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Jameson Williams, freak of nature, mentally, physically. What is it like to have a receiver like that? No, as, as a quarterback, what's it like to have a receiver yeah. like that is a, like ready to be physical? No, dude. I so I had one in high school. To be honest with you, Anthony Nyers, like my boy, he was like six two, one eighty in high school, and was like chiseled. And literally, we would pretty much ran his play. We go three by one, and we throw him. Just it was. It wasn't even a rocket screen. It was just like a laser. Just like catch the ball, throw it to him. And you know how many good high school blocking receivers do you know? Like probably. Nah, sorry. I'll sorry. step in for him. I'll step, step in, in for him, though. Step I know what in. he's about to say. Nothing. You look at any wide receiver highlight tape in high school, and usually one of the top five plays is another receiver catches the ball, crack back block, whatever it is, and that's literally what will bring so much energy to a sideline, to a team. To your question, when you got a guy that is takes pride in making plays when he doesn't have the ball, everyone rallies around that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, that's someone that is just straight dog. He's just a dog. And you need dudes like that, especially in a position 
that often gets categorized as soft. Right. Um, I think that makes the world the world's different. So, you know, ACLs now too. It's so different. I mean, guys come back stronger from ACL. So uh, that game changed too, right? That national championship game when yeah. he went out. I mean, everything changed. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they took him too. It's tough, man. It's like there's those three guys at the top are good um, in their own different ways. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. It's, it's going to be interesting. Um, but to your point, like the Jets just being in a fun situation, the, the common denominator there that hopefully the Giants can turn the corner too is ownership has finally stepped back, got out of the way, hired a competent GM from a successful organization. Joe Douglas coming from uh, – he was with the Eagles and he's with the Ravens, I think, too. Um, you know, hopefully Joe Shane coming from the Bills. Um, working with Brandon Beam, um, you know, you pay these guys big bucks to make these type of decisions and hit on these picks. And and Joe Douglas has done a phenomenal job at building out this team. I think the good thing the Jets have done, too, is they haven't overspent free agency. They kind of, you know, grab needs here and there, but they, they haven't just opened the bank like, you know, we saw the Giants do last year. Right. Um, and then restructuring deals and pushing salary never works out. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And I think with the Jets thing, too, it's a little bit of a slow burn. Like, Jets fans wanted more results quickly. And it just doesn't usually go like that. Like, it's not going to happen overnight. And you have to kind of trust in Joe Douglas. And that's what you were saying before with the Giants. Like, you have Joe Shane in, in, in house now. It almost doesn't matter to a fan who he picks because we have a trust in him that he hasn't specifically deserved yet in-house. Right? He didn't do it for the Giants yet, but he has a track record. He has trust right now. Y- you ride with it. Joe Douglas has earned some trust to this point. Like If Makai Becton hasn't been banged up, you'd be feeling awesome about how he's hit on these f- uh, first, second-round picks. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, and what I was going to say, too, with Joe Shane is he hasn't done anything to deserve anything, but we know that when you're coming as the – successor GM to uh, Davey Edelman. There's only yeah. one way to go and that's out. So we'll take anyone that uh, just has a little bit of competency and, and, you know, fits, looks like he fits the part uh, yeah. versus a guy that's shaped like an egg and has his pants tucked up to his nipples. But that's for, <laughs> that's for another a podcast. Um, Joe that's- Douglas, the only trouble I could find them running into is if the New York media and fans put too much pressure to be good too quick. And what I mean by that is the impatience comes. Like I said, read the room. You're in a division with the Buffalo Bills. You're in a division with the Dolphins now who are, you know, trying to make up for the lack of talent they put around Tua, Um, you know, and seeing what they have here, they're doing it backwards. And then you got the Patriots. Like, let him methodically continue to build out this roster. And then you could reload. I mean, the dream of being an NFL team you know, the Giants won the two Super Bowls, but we were boomer bust. We got hot at the right time. You know, we had some teams that came together. We had a quarterback that was always there and didn't yeah. miss games. So you could build the other positions. I, I personally, I, I didn't even like Jerry Reese as a GM. I thought Jerry Reese was a pretty poor GM. I, I felt that, you know, we, we never re-signed draft picks and, you know, the first Super Bowl, he that was his rookie year as a GM. So in theory, that's not his team. He was in the front office. But my point is, you want to reload. The same teams are relevant every year. You know, the Cowboys finally did it. Um, 
I can't think of the guy's name, but Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones are making these picks. Oh, it's right. Will McClay. Will McClay. Um, he's like the highest paid VP of player personnel. He's making all the picks. So the more you could step away, you know, ownership could step out of it. You get the Ravens, you get teams like the Packers, um, you know, the list goes on of those teams, San Francisco, um, just always near the top. Pittsburgh, yeah. Pittsburgh, they're just reloading, right? There's yeah. continuity there, and they're, they methodically built out the roster, and then they just need to fill pieces here and there. So I think the Jets just need to be patient, let Joe Douglas continue to do what he, do what he does. I really don't hate on the Jets at all. The only time I ever hate on the Jets is when it's fan stuff, right? Yeah. It's like just fans talking shit. Fan, you got to start bickering a little bit. It's the same way I am with the Yankees. Like, I don't hate the Yankees. And I don't hate the Mets. Right. right? It's like I don't fans. Hate specifically, but if you start talking smack, then you best believe I'm going to start talking smack. Yeah, back. you got it. And that's the fun part about New York sports. That's the fun part yeah. about being a New York fan. And, you know, with, with, with that whole thing, um, you know, it's just – the funny, I mean, the Jets had the biggest opportunity to leapfrog the Giants over these last five years, and they did it, which is like mind blowing. Yeah, uh, you know, and then they've had some unlucky breaks with injuries, and obviously their division being so much better than the NFC East. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, they're they're in good shape. Obviously, everything just rides on Zach Wilson, like every other team. You need that quarterback. Yeah. All right. Yeah. T A. Tom Allen. Tom Allen. Seventeen. T T Allen. Seventeen. On the Instagram, Tom Allen Twitter. seventeen Instagram, Tom, Tom Allen seventeen Twitter. There you go. I had a big poster though. I'm on there for the news. I'm on hey. there to collect this type of knowledge so I could share it through Peace Podcast. That's what it's all about, though. Great debut for you. Outshined our uh, <laughs> <laughs> my man Kyle. It'll be said, comeback season. He's gonna come on with the Jordan four five jersey next time. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a if anything. We'll do a post, maybe a, a post draft podcast after we get the yes. and we'll see what they do. I'm down for that. And if I you're have, willing to have me again. Of course, of course. And I accidentally said extinguished instead of distinguished. And that's he was extinguished from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's what it was today. Oh my but god. But no, I appreciate I appreciate uh you having me. Awesome stuff. Honestly, your the hosting was smooth. You're able to put up with Kyle's robotics and, and his <laughs> voice. Hopefully, you got a great editing team over there and they can figure out a way to, to get his clips. But uh I yeah, might have to just show. post one of his clips of me and you just laughing while he's just doing the Mr. Roboto over there. This might be your biggest bloopers, uh, your biggest <laughs> bloopers clip that you have at the end of an episode. Three no, but I appreciate times. it, man. Oh, of course. Thank you, bro. Staying up late with me here. Three different oh, yeah. times I threw a question to Kyle and he was like, he's nodding along too. He's like, yep. Yep, I'm ready to answer this question right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we might need we might need DraftKings as your sponsor here to hook him up with some new Wi-Fi. Yeah. My man's living in my man's living in the 1990s. I think he still has uh, dial-up going on over there. Oh my god, that's hilarious! <laughs> all right, man, let's finish up. Nothing else to say about this draft. There's a lot more to say, but that's all we're gonna say for now. Yeah, uh, we appreciate y'all for listening. Shout out to Tom Allen. Shout out to Kyle Anderson. I'm Pete Kennedy. It's been Subway Sports Talk. Tears. Enjoy the draft.